should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. We're bringing back morning basketball talk to the game. Bro, what are you talking about, man? From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, the game presents cool, man. Rip City Wake and Take. That's cute, man. That's cute. Now your hosts, alongside Jake Liss, here's Alex Moore. Welcome in to the Rip City Wake and Take. We are back, and it has been such a long time, and we're going to fill you in on everything that's happened, Gliss, so, because it's been a while since we've done this podcast, and so much has happened. And today, we'll hit on a lot of it, but we're going to hit on the most important thing in Blazers news, which is the Carmelo Anthony rumors, the possibility, if it'll happen. Gliss doesn't think it'll happen. By the way, in this time that we've been off... Gliss has turned into a total negative Nancy when it comes to the Blazers. <laughs> he refused to say anything positive. He comes into the stage. He's like, "Man, Blazers suck, man. I'm not going to even watch them this year." So we got to turn Gliss. We got to turn Gliss around a little bit on the podcast today. But like I said, a lot of the talk today is going to be on Carmelo Anthony and exactly what's going on today. The big news is he says that he'll waive his trade kicker to go to Houston and. I don't know about you. I had to look up exactly what a trade kicker is, but essentially if Melo gets traded, he makes $8 million more in salary, which is about 15% of his contract right now. And so he's saying, oh, I don't even want that money if you guys send me to Houston. And so to me, I'm hearing this news today and I'm thinking, wow, Carmelo really, really wants to get out of New York. And so at first you read the headline that says Melo doesn't Melo wants to get rid of his trade kicker if he can go to the Rockets like oh that that means that's bad for the Blazers right because that means that he doesn't want to go to Portland he'd rather go to Houston so much that he will lose 8 million dollars to do so. But I see this headline and I see something else. I see Melo it's a cry for help. I see Melo saying I want out of New York 8 million dollars worth. I'll pay you 8 million dollars to get me out of this Knicks organization. And to me, that is good news for the Blazers because Portland is in a spot right now where they can wait this out. This whole mellow ordeal can be waited out by the Blazers because the more time goes on, the closer we get to the season, to me, there's no way Melo can play in a Knicks jersey next year after everything that has gone on with everyone in the organization essentially saying they want to get rid of him. The Knicks do get a new GM, but they've still put his name on the block this whole offseason so far with no success, virtually getting rid of any trade value that he has because all the stuff that Phil Jackson has said about him. So as far as what happens with the Blazers, the longer this goes on, the lower his value goes down. And the more likely that Melo's going to say, eh, maybe Dame and CJ are making a good pitch to me by asking me to go to Portland. So, Gliss, with everything that I've said, that's my little thought on what's going on with Melo. What do you think of this going on today? I mean, what have you thought about the last few weeks as far as the uh, Blazers offseason has gone? It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I give a whole spiel. I knew Gliss was going to drop that on me. This, I mean, see, this is the new Gliss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. I'm a little down. It's not that. It's not the Blazers. It's just, you know, everything's happening around them while they sit back and watch. That's kind of where I'm at. Is they need, uh, they need something. You know, they they should have made a move by now. I'm yeah. kind of looking at what they've done this off season. That's I'm fair. Like, okay, you you talked about. Improving the team through the draft or uh, 
or even more importantly through trade, but it just hasn't happened and it hasn't happened in free agency. So I'm kind of looking at looking at the situation as a whole and I'm like, Neil O'Shea is striking out right now because they haven't done anything to improve what they have. And then he comes out the other day saying, okay, Yusuf Nurkic, that's what we look like. That's what we look at as our big acquisition. Well, I'm sorry, but that's not, that doesn't count because that's an ac- acquisition you made last season. And yes, I think everybody is pretty much on board at this point that that was a great pickup. And it's going to be exciting to see him play a full year in Portland with Damon CJ. But at the same time, that's not going to get it done in the Western Conference when you're talking about Russell Westbrook and Paul George and you're talking about the Warriors who only lost one game in the postseason still standing up there at the front of the line and you're talking about Chris Paul and James Harden in Houston and obviously they're trying to get in the mix for Carmelo there's just too many other good teams in the Western Conference right now and I'm looking at those teams making moves and I'm looking at the Blazers and I'm saying they're pretty much the same team that you know was barely able to sneak into the playoffs because of the fact that Yusuf Nurkic came over. All right. A lot to break down there. I'm going to start with Olshay. Now, I agree Olshay has made a lot of state statements this offseason to save face a little bit. I think a lot of people have seen that. I think you and I both agree on that. Saying Yusuf Nurkic is the offseason acquisition of the Blazers. He only suits up for 20 games. Um, they go 14 and six in those games. You don't really get a good taste of him. So I get what Olshay is trying to say that Neil, uh, that Yusuf Nurkic is the offseason acquisition because you haven't really seen him play a full season. But yes, that is more of a statement to save face. I, I agree with that. Now, where I disagree with you is, is there whether or not they should have been making moves? Now, of course, do you want to make moves? Yes, of course, you want to see them make moves. They're not good enough to even contend in the West right now. No. Okay, that's fair. Right now, if they get into the playoffs, they're probably one and done again. Yeah, one and done again. Maybe they slip through to the second round somehow. Maybe. But that's that's like that's a like a lot of things have to go there. Yeah, way, that's like if we're being real. Here. I mean, we're we can be homers sometimes, but that's ultra homers thinking yeah. that Blazers get to the second round. But the, to me, this offseason has been a reaction to the Kevin Durant to the Warriors move completely. I agree. A, with that. a lot of teams yeah. are making what I would say are reactionary moves. Saying, okay, take Chris Paul, go to go to the Rockets. The whole Paul George to Oklahoma City, all all this all this stuff is very reactionary to the Warriors. Say, okay, well now we need to sign our big player. The problem with that logic is the Golden State Warriors did not become who they are through the Kevin Durant signing. They worked through the draft. They draft they had a draft where they I think it was Draymond Green and Harrison Barnes. And Festus Azili, I think we're all drafted the same year. And they drafted all three of those guys, all three pieces who started for the team in the finals that beat the Cavs the first year when they won their first ring. So the reaction to the Golden State, the Golden State signing of Kevin Durant, I think is kind of a fallacy in the way that you build an NBA team. So I have a problem with how all the other NBA teams are doing that. And I don't necessarily think that the Blazers want to get involved in that. Now, if there was a trade that they could have made, they saw, they offer Paul George three picks and any player on the roster besides the quote-unquote big three for Paul George. To me, that is a solid deal. And if they would have made that deal, I would have been very happy. But there's nothing you can do if the Indiana Pacers turn it down. And it's Kevin Pritchard 
Look at what Kevin Pritchard got out of Paul George now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He Pritch slapped himself. (laughs) Yeah, he did. Because he could have got a much better deal, but he decided to say no because he thought Boston was going to offer something else. He waited too long. He should have pulled the trigger on draft day because that's when... That's and we draft know. day is known as kind of like the day besides besides the trade deadline. That's the day where most of the stuff gets done because teams are a little more desperate, a little more willing to give up assets that they maybe don't want to give up on. Um, so I I agree with you there. I don't think I don't think waiting you know two weeks or whatever whatever it was served him well because he probably had a better deal with Portland. So we know Kevin Pritchard basically screwed the Blazers. At least from our perspective, that's what it looks like. That Kevin Pritchard waited too long for a better deal, didn't get it, and then all of a sudden Portland's three draft picks are gone, and now you can't get that offer, which he probably should have made. And a Paul George rental would have been incredible. Whatever. It didn't happen. Now, after that, I don't know what the move is for the Blazers. I don't know where they could have traded or where they could have signed or what what there was at that point after that deal falls through I think it's almost best for you to you go get the best player you want in the draft it was Zach Collins I we got to wait to see what happens with Zach Collins I, I think expectations of Zach Collins I I honestly don't know what they are right they're getting there as a sub coming off the bench see play I, good defense maybe score but that's, I mean, that's pretty much all. I don't know what to expect from Zach Collins, so it's, I see that as a, you know, a wait-and-see kind of move. I think that was a good pickup, but I, it's not something that's going to help them it's, this year, I don't think. No, yeah, you're, at, you're, Caleb you're right. Caleb Swanigan looks like he's ready to play. Okay. I mean, he looks like the True. kind of player that's True. ready to come in and contribute because he, you know, he's not, he's not some super freak athlete or some guy that you're looking at yeah. potential. He's just a guy that goes out there and plays hard and gets it done. So I think he can contribute right away. But, I mean, kind of coming back to your point, that's that's why I actually am on the opposite side, where I see these teams and at least they're doing something because they're looking at the Warriors and they're saying, well, we're not going to run away from that. And I feel like the Blazers are somewhat doing that with Carmelo, but I just don't think on his end that there's enough there to entice him because he's looking at the situation in Houston and he's like, oh, I'd rather be in Houston. I agree that... It may come to a point where if it comes down to like, okay, well, I'm either stuck in New York for another year and I got to put up with that, or I could go play in Portland for one year and then do whatever I want. I could see it happening that way, but I think it's a long shot. And, you know, honestly, it's just I'm a little bitter because I don't, I look at the Blazers roster, it's Damian Lillard's in the prime of his career. CJ McCollum's coming into the prime of his career. Yusuf Nurkic, he's still young, but he kind of fits along with uh, alongside those guys. If you're not making moves to do something now, like we've seen this story so many times as Blazer fans, where it's like, oh, just wait, just wait. We're gonna yeah. the potential's no, there. Sure. We're building, we're building towards the future, and then all of a sudden it's passed you by, and you don't know what's gonna happen. Three I just years don't know now. what the move is. I don't know if there was a That's move. A I don't know what yeah. the move is. And, it doesn't and, seem like there's any one, sure. any players that outside of Carmelo Anthony, there probably isn't that move and anymore. Mello, okay. It's already passed us by. I've to- I've taught myself to like the Mello trade, but even that. I don't even know if I that's the right move. I've never been a Carmelo Anthony fan. I, I will say that. I've, I have a strong dislike for Carmelo Anthony throughout his whole career. I've never thought of him as a winner. I mean, he had the one season in Denver where they got to the Western Conference Finals, but the guy's a black hole when it comes to the basketball. 
And that's kind of scary when you have such a solid backcourt. That loves to shoot a lot. And speaking of backcourts, by the way, we have some breaking news on the pod right now. As we're recording, Kyrie Irving it has announced that he wants a trade. So we're going to stall the Blazer talk for just a second here. Look at this breaking news on the podcast. Breaking news on the Rip City Wake and Take? Are you kidding me? <laughs> but Brian Windhorst of ESPN has said that uh, Kyrie met with Cavs officials this week. And he asked them to be traded. He says he doesn't want to play alongside LeBron James anymore. He wants to be more of a focal point in an offense. And he wants out of Cleveland. So, Gliss, this is just happening right now. Came out of nowhere. What are your immediate thoughts on uh, this news? Well, my immediate thought is, like, (laughs) obviously revolves not... I mean, Kyrie is obviously top five point guard. He is one of the best playmakers in the NBA. And I can see why he would... Kind of want to change the scene. He's been there since he was a rookie. Went through some tough years before LeBron came in. But I could see why he would maybe want to go somewhere where he could really be the leader of that team. With that said, where my mind immediately goes is, uh-oh, for Cleveland. Because yes. if they're shipping Kyrie out, LeBron... I mean, a lot of people kind of felt like LeBron was going to leave after this, this year anyways. There's been a lot of talk about L.A., um, you know, the kind of the usual suspects when it comes to LeBron. Miami, again, he's kept a lot of his, you know, uh, a lot of the things, uh, his houses and that kind of stuff in Miami. Uh, New York, I'm sure, will get brought up again. But that's the main thing that I think of is not only are they now looking at a d- disgruntled point guard who's a top five point guard in the league, but that almost for sure points to the fact that LeBron James is probably not staying in Cleveland past this year. And it kind of makes you wonder, if they make a deal for Kyrie now, what other dominoes are going to fall after that? Are yeah. they just going to say, okay, we can't make a run at this thing legitimately against you know how good those teams are in the Western Conference. Let's get ahead of this and blow it up now. Um, so that's, I think, the most interesting aspect. Will they try to get out in front of this and be like, hey, if LeBron is interested in going to Los Angeles... How can we pull a deal where we actually get something back? And I know it's kind of premature to talk about that, but if LeBron James is not going to be there after this season, they have to be thinking about their future as well. The crazy NBA offseason that is this summer just got Keeps even rolling. crazier. It's still going when you think, okay, a it's team, that point. A team that's in the NBA Finals. Yeah, it's, it's getting to that point where it's like, okay, July, late July, it starts to slow down a little bit. And nope, we get we're getting more news. And when I'm thinking, I also first thing goes Cavs blowing up. Like I I don't honestly really care where Kyrie goes no. because he's not going to really make a difference as far as contenders. Right. I mean, as far as teams that can go out and win a championship. But with the opportunity for Cleveland to blow up, it's like, do they? Tr- first of all, do they trade Kyrie to a team in the East? Probably not. Probably I mean, not. you would assume yeah. not. You don't want to make a team in the East better, but I, I don't know if it matters at this point. But does Kyrie go to the West? Does the West get even more stacked than Should it already we just is? Cancel the Eastern yeah, Conference. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, at this Do point. we need it anymore? <laughs> so this crazy NBA offseason in this packed Western Conference. One, the NBA offseason gets crazier, and two, the Western Conference could get even more packed. And it's just. Well, it's interesting, too, because like, the big free agent out there was Gordon Hayward, Yeah, and he, he moved east. But all the biggest, all the biggest uh, you know, changes have come with guys being traded out to the west. So that's you know, the most interesting thing to me is if you were looking at this summer at the end of June, before everything kind of, you know, before the draft and all that stuff, 
you were thinking, okay, where is Gordon Hayward going to go? And I think a lot of people thought the Celtics was maybe the best option outside of returning to Utah. But no, that's like, I mean, he's like Who way cares? down the Who list. Who cares yeah. about Gordon Hayward? You I mean, know? He's way down the list yeah. in terms of how the, sh- the summer has shaped out because it's really been about uh, Chris Paul and Carmelo Anthony and Paul George and all these guys that are now in the Western Conference. And man, I, I'm with you. It's it's going to be really interesting to see if Cleveland's like, okay, we know you want to get traded. We're going to wait till you know the All-Star break, the trade deadline. It'll be interesting to see if they do that or they say, okay, this is a turning point. We have to you know strike while we can, and we're going to try to turn this thing around because that's probably the smartest thing to do when the writing's on the wall and you know that some of these guys aren't coming back. But... You know who knows? I you know maybe they'll stand pat and just make him sit through it and then wait till after the season, wait till the trade deadline. But you know LeBron James is not going to be happy if they ship off Kyrie Irving. Yeah, and the report that came out that says LeBron James was pretty much blindsided by this and he wasn't aware that it was happening and that he was pretty crushed. I've I've heard it's just the one report out from Brian Windhorst again, um, but. Kyrie saying that he no longer wants to play along LeBron James and has officially requested for a trade. It's the rumor. Kyrie's agent hasn't confirmed that. So that that's the latest in this insane NBA offseason. But maybe we should move on back to Melo, yeah. back to Carmelo Anthony. and What affects us here in Portland. Yeah. Because Kyrie, Kyrie, Irving, Kyrie Irving is not coming, coming to Portland. Here. So. The only way he affects Portland is if he goes some team in the West. Right. And... That's pretty much the only opportunity Kyrie has to affect the Blazers. But this Carmelo Anthony, these trade rumors that are going on, Woj has come out and said that Melo doesn't want to come to Portland. And it's, right. I mean, we don't need Woj to tell us that. We know that. Of yeah. course, Carmelo Anthony doesn't want to come out to Portland. He's this big New York guy. And the thing about Melo, like, he, the media scrutiny has been pretty heavy on him. You'd think that maybe, you know, come to Portland where. 1029 the games the media that's going right. to be scrutinizing yeah. you we're, yeah. we're pretty chill so yeah. i mean you think that'd be a lot easier for him you think that it would be kind of attractive place to him obviously coming from new york to portland's a little bit more difficult when you're a superstar especially when it's kind of like the paul george thing i mean it's not like it's not like they're saying hey we want to lock you up and you know bring yeah. you here for the next 5 we just years want to of your rent career him. yeah exactly i think I mean, given that they need to offload contracts anyways, and they're in a terrible situation with the for contracts, sure. if they can get rid of those contracts and swap it for Carmelo Anthony, then I'm bo- I'm on board with that because that's a fun season to me. Yes. At least you're taking a risk where it's like, yeah, he might only be here for one year, but then he'll come off the books and you readjust on the fly uh, next offseason. Yeah. So that is a lot more appealing to me. Then sit in. I mean, like we were just talking about, neither of us have been Carmelo Anthony fans. But it's I've fun. never exactly. It's fun, and, and you know, just the thought of him playing with CJ and Dame. I know there was a lot of talk yesterday. Dan Patrick had said like, "There's not enough shots to go around with those guys in the backcourt." Well, those guys take a lot of shots because they have to take a lot of shots. They wouldn't have to. If they Melo's wouldn't have on the to. Team. If you have Carmelo Anthony, he's still a legit post player. And, you know, he, with his back to the basket, his mid-range game, yeah. if you have him in the middle and with Yusuf Nurkic, who's a good decision maker, a smart basketball player, and you have those two guys out on the wings making decisions as well, 
that's a legitimate starting lineup right there that can actually compete with some of those really good teams in the Western Conference, at least for this year. Agreed. And I, I really like Melo in the four spot as well. And yeah. we'll, we'll get into that in just a second. But here's that Dan Patrick clip talking about Portland being a bad fit for Melo. I love Portland, but if I'm, if I'm Carmelo, why would I want to go to Portland? Do you want to get away from the media capital? Like, if you, if you do, you'll end up in You Portland. do, Melo. Great town, love their team, but I got a backcourt that loves to shoot. So Carmelo's going to be at least the third option when he goes in there. That probably wouldn't be the best place for it. Interesting to hear Dan Patrick call Carmelo Anthony the third option on a Portland Trailblazers team. Which, that's, bu- that's, that's bizarre. Absurd. That's I mean, bizarre. That's, that Even is not for happening. me, and I love Dame and CJ, that's bizarre. DJ, but that uh, plays totally into what you said. Yeah. The, the shots, they had to shoot those shots. Exactly. Now they won't necessarily... Ha- if Melo comes on the Blazers, they won't necessarily have to. Damon and CJ aren't calling, you know, they've supposedly both talked to him personally over the phone. They aren't calling him to say, hey, come to Portland and be the third option. They're, I mean, they're realistic. They, they're looking at it. They're recruiting him because they're like, look, this guy is a legit 10-time All-Star. We bring him in. We'll play off him. We'll take a backseat, and we'll kind of let him be the guy. I mean, he; those guys know that. It's not like they're bringing him in like, oh, yeah, he'd be a nice compliment so that we could do our thing still and, you know, we we would still be the two best players on the team. They realistically know that that would not be the case. They're recruiting him because they're looking at it as like, this guy could be what we center the offense around knowing our skill set. I will say, though, out of those three guys, Dame, CJ, and Melo, last season, Melo averaged the least points per game. True. Shot. I don't know if he shot the worst from the field out of the three, but he did not shoot great from the field, averaging the least amount of points per game out of those three players. So, but I, would, I, 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 and I'm with you. Yeah. I, I agree. Now, I was gonna say the Knicks were basically like a, you know, a D League team. Yeah. So. There, there you go. So that's <laughs> true too. But then you'd still think that Melo could still score, but he only averaged 22 a game. Yeah. CJ averaged 23. Dame averaged 27. Yeah. And the, Dame and CJ were playing in the West. Not it's the true. East. It's, it's uh, true. So, th- with that said, but I do, I do agree. I mean, there's a certain aspect of Melo coming in as this ten-time All Star. There obviously needs to be a backseat taken, but I see them playing more around each other and more building off each other than they're being a top dog. Now, I, I, that's probably going to be difficult for Melo, but that'd be something he have to buy into. But you touched on uh, Damon CJ reaching out to Melo. Here's a little clip from. Uh, Dame's basketball camp, he talked about reaching out to Carmelo Anthony. I spoke to him because obviously he makes us a, a better team. So, I mean, obviously with, with that being out there and that being a, a real possibility, I don't see why I wouldn't, wouldn't reach out to him and, and let him know that the interest is, is mutual if he's, if he's interested in us. The interest is mutual. I mean, Dame and CJ really are showing how much they want to recruit new players. Here's CJ talking about what kind of effect Melo would have on the Blazers. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. We get Carmelo Anthony, and we're a top three team in the West immediately. Top three team in the West, says CJ. Don't know if that's true. I think that'd be a potential ceiling for a Carmelo Anthony Blazers team. A ceiling would be a top three team. I think you still have the Warriors one. You still have the Spurs ahead. You'd still probably have the Rockets ahead. Who knows what's going on with Oklahoma City in that picture, too. So those are four teams that maybe would be better. You'd you'd hope that with a Melo... Blazers team that you'd shoot for a four or five seed. I, I think they could be in the mix with Houston, sure, Oklahoma City. Yeah. Be I think there'd probably be about three 
you know, three teams that would kind of fight between that two to five seed. And the thing is, we don't know how well they would gel together. But sure. the tr- the truth is, a ceiling for that team is a top three team in the West. If they have the season where you imagine offensively how stacked they are and they can just survive on the defensive end based off of Nurkic's ability to guard the paint I mean, and not letting players beat you off right. the dribble, hopefully every play like that, those three stars are well known for on the defensive side. Yeah, I mean... I think Nurik would pretty much be like slender or center slash goalie. Because, yeah. I mean, Last line of yeah, defense. Because yeah, their defense would not look good. But with those three guys and Nurkic, a smart NBA player in the middle, and, uh, you know, Terry Stotts, who's one of the better offensive coaches in the league. I think that you can assume that that would be a very high-powered offense with those three. And I envision a, a Warriors-like death lineup where you have Melo at the four, and then you have someone like Aminu or Crab or someone at the three, and then you obviously have your backcourt set. But I really like Melo at the four with Nurk. Now, obviously, like we just talked about, the defensive problems would be huge. But I... The idea of of having Carmelo Anthony at the four in Portland is pretty exciting for me, especially offensively. And like you said, we're it's it's just about having fun. You're not going to add a player that's going to make you better than the Warriors. Neil Olshay said that this offseason. That's just not going to happen. No. But as Blazers, as Blazers fans, as people who watch the Blazers, in this era of Warriors basketball, the stagnant is isn't going to work. No. You know because. There, years ago, 2007, 2008, when you had the Brandon Roy Blazers, and it's like, all right, we're just building off last season. You can you could live with that because you could see the potential for a team to go out and win 54 games like the Blazers did in the 2008, 2009 season after they built on a on the previous year. But you're not going to win 50 games just building this season, and you're right. not going to it's it's not going to happen with how stacked the West is and how good the Warriors are. Where even if you do come out and win a big number of games, you're still seeing yourself exiting in the first round, or even even if you can somehow slip to the second round. I mean, the thing is, it's it's about building excitement for the regular season for these fans who watch these games and come out and have endured so much heartbreak and deserve it. So that's why this mellow trade. I want this mellow trade. I'm not a fan of mellow, not at all. But give us some excitement, and you know maybe we can grow to love him. Plus, that's the thing. That's one of the major things that he would really like about this this fan base in Portland. The fans would love him. Yeah, They would surround him. He would come in here to sign the deal on the plane, and there would be hundreds of people yeah. at PDX to go see him. And he no would doubt. be surrounded with love, and he would get so much cheer. Like The audience would go crazy. The crowd would go crazy when they saw him come into the game. Yeah, I mean... That's that's it's at what least it would some be excitement. Like. Yeah, it's some excitement, and it gives it a year of an, of exciting basketball. If they could somehow convince him to waive the clause and and pull off a deal, at least they would have some excitement for this year. Because you talk about how good the Warriors are for the years coming ahead. Don't think that there's not going to be more movement. You, the Lakers yeah. are going to go hard after guys like Paul George, Russell Westbrook. You can't just assume that. Oh well, we'll just we'll try to build for three years from now because you don't know what's going to happen. Other team, there is going to be super teams moving ahead. It's not something that's going to go away. So you got to strike when you have a chance to make something happen. All right, this has been another episode of the Rip City Wake and Take. I'm so glad that we came back, Bliss. We're back. <laughs> and by the way, just to hit on this real quick, 
I've been producing the Justin and Devon. I don't know if you've That's seen right. this. That's right. I yeah. heard about that. I've been producing the I Justin and Devon show. I was wondering why every time when I come in, you're like I'm, in my studio now. Yeah. And so that's <laughs> 9 to 12 on the game. So me and Gliss, we produce from 9 to 3 on the game every day. Two-thirds we're both of the doing con- it. Local content. Two-thirds here. of local right. content. We're the producers for those shows. And I always, thought, I always thought I had it in me as a producer, Gliss. And so I'm really You're excited to be good. doing it. I feel like I'm doing a good job. So thanks. I appreciate that. Gliss, of course, produces the BFT 12 to 3, Monday through Friday on the game. Thank you so much for listening to Rip City Wake and Take. We're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. Check out our Facebook page. This will be up on there later. And check us out, all of our content, on all three of those platforms. Take it easy. Have a good one. Stay woke.